Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through Moses' final speech in Deuteronomy with chapter 18, verse 1. Remember that the Levitical priests, that is, the whole of the tribe of Levi, will receive no allotment of land among the other tribes in Israel. Instead, the priests and Levites will eat from the special gifts given to the Lord, for that is their share. They will have no land of their own among the Israelites. The Lord himself is their special possession, just as he promised to them. These are the parts the priests may claim as their share from the cattle, sheep, and goats and that the people bring as offerings, the shoulder, the cheeks, and the stomach. You must also give to the priests the first share of the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and the wool at shearing time. For the Lord your God chose the tribe of Levi out of all of your tribes to minister to the Lord's name forever. Suppose a Levite chooses to move from his town in Israel, wherever he is living, to the place that the Lord chooses for worship. He may minister there in the name of the Lord his God, just like all his fellow Levites who are serving the Lord there. He may have share of the sacrifices and offerings, even if he is also receiving support from his family. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling, use sorcery, or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or function as mediums or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult to sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites, You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, What they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among your fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the message the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or speaks in the name of another God must die. And God did send this prophet. He sent us Jesus. Jesus is our perfect prophet. In verse 25, But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophet is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give him that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. In chapter 19, verse 1, When the Lord your God destroys the nations whose land he has given you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you into three districts, with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. 
If someone kills another person unintentionally without previous hostility, the slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood. And suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree, and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the person. In such case, the slayer may flee to one of these cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger might be able to chase down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly, since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. If the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he swore to your ancestors and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. He will give you this land if you are careful to obey all the commands I have given you, if you always love the Lord your God and walk in his ways. That way you will prevent the death of innocent people in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession. You will not be held responsible for the death of innocent people. But suppose someone is hostile towards a neighbor and deliberately ambushes and murders him and then flees to one of the cities of refuge. In that case, the elders of the murderer's hometown must send agents to the city of refuge to bring him back and hand him over to the dead person's avenger to be put to death. Do not feel sorry for that murderer. Purge from Israel the guilt of murdering innocent people. Then all will go well with you. Jesus takes lifeblood seriously, and if someone blatantly is out to just kill other people, he is not going to tolerate that. The lifeblood has to be kept sacred because Jesus' blood dies on the cross, and it is very sacred. And that sacred blood is what cleanses us and purifies us and sanctifies us sanctifies us and makes us righteous so we can stand before God. In verse 14, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your special possession, you must never steal anyone's land by moving the boundary markers your ancestors set up to mark their property. You must not convict anyone of a crime on testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forth and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and the accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priests and judges in the office at that time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelites, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way you will purge such evil from among you. Then the rest of the people will hear about it and will be afraid to do the same evil thing. You must show no pity for the guilty. Your rules should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for foot. So Jesus, or I'm sorry, God says we have to protect the innocent and punish the guilty. God is after pure justice. Jesus is just and he is the justifier and Jesus took our punishment on himself So he is both sides of justice and grace met on the cross at the perfect crossroad. And if anyone is caught lying or falsely accusing, then they get to have the punishment that that person was supposed to have based on that false accusation. God doesn't take lightly any untruth or falsehood at the expense of anyone else. 
So that concludes our journey today through chapters 18 and 19. We'll continue on tomorrow. I hope we all are having a most wonderful day.